The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from New Gallifrey, it's Doctor Who Podshock! Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. I you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 251. This is Louis Trapani. Hello, how are you? And welcome back to Doctor Who Pachak. I know it's been a little while since our last episode, and, well, we had some plans for last week, which didn't really pan out. We had hoped to bring you a special interview, but uh, unfortunately that didn't work out as uh, as we had hoped. And uh, some other things that, that were um, pending just didn't pan out. So we're doing this. This is a special episode that we're doing now. Well, every episode that we do is special. A couple of weeks ago, I was privileged enough to be part of a panel on Doctor Who. It was on Doctor Who fandom in Second Life, part of the Second Life 8th anniversary celebration that was going on there. It was a panel with Prim Perfect Magazine and Treat.TV. Included in the panel was Safia Windishens, who was moderating, Terry Lightfoot, and Ulan Sputnik of the Dirty Hooers and New Gallifrey on Second Life, Sen, owner of Hands of Omega, Dave Lewis of the TARDIS Newsroom, Tristan Avden of Who Island, and of course, Victor First Mornington of the Doctor Who Exposition and the Katrina area on Second Life. So whether or not you're a regular Second Life visitor or if you if you ever visited Second Life, it doesn't matter. If you've been to our meetups on Second Life, it this doesn't matter. This is really um, there. There is some Second Life content in here, but it's really just a, really about Doctor Who and fandom in general, which could apply to anyone. And I think you'll find that interesting. In fact, the panel was extended because we were originally scheduled for an hour time slot in the uh, special theater area for the Second Life Birthday 8, as they were calling it, anniversary of Second Life, that is. But we still had more to say and more to discuss, so we continued the discussion at New Gallifrey. So that means that this is broken up into two parts. Some of the audio was, um, we had some audio problems and in some of the segments there, so that this may not be complete, but hopefully coherent. So without any further ado, let's listen in on the panel if I'm not mistaken, this took place on the 24th of June, 2011. 
What I'm going to do is go around the table and introduce everyone. I'd like to welcome all our audience here today. What we've been doing over the last week here at SL8B is holding a series of talks with designers, artists, and also people involved in the communities, different communities in the Second Life. Um, looking at how people create, in the six o'clock sessions, we've been looking at how people create communities in different ways. On Monday, uh, for example, we talked to people who are involved in the Breedables community. We had kitty cats and mirrors here. Last night we were talking to people in the steampunk community. So the idea is to look at a variety of different ways in which communities can be created. And tonight I've invited a selection of the people who are involved in one of the important fandom communities in Second Life, because there are communities that are based around shared interests. And this is one of the ones that I think is the strongest. I've got, I know that there are actually even more um, communities based around the Doctor Who theme. This is just um, a selection, hopefully a fairly representative selection of people who are involved in the Doctor Who communities or at least a selection that covers a wide range of sims. Um, and sins. And sins, yes. <laughs> so I would like to start by introducing the people who are here. And on the far left, I have Tristan Averdon, who's the owner of, of Who Island and hosts events and parties in the Doctor Who con community for US time zones, and also the co-owner of um, WITS, W-I-T-S. I'm not quite sure what that stands for, Tristan. Perhaps you could tell me. Oh, it stands for many things. Mainly it stands for Who Island Timeline Systems. Right. Uh, That's a mouthful, so we just call wiser. it wits. Okay. <laughs> I'm not much wiser. What is the timeline system? The Who Island well, Timeline System? We build, uh, like a lot of people actually in the Doctor Who community, we build uh, time machines that Who fans can use to travel all over Second Life. Right. And it has a... Um, they can get those and I'll come later to how these TARDISes work because I find I've been in various places and heard a strange noise, um, well a strangely familiar noise for me as a Brit having grown up with Doctor Who all my life. And sitting next to Tristan, we have Terry Lightfoot, who's the long-suffering assistant to Ulon Sputnik, who's sitting on her right. Steady on. Uh, I'm sat right here, you know. The lead designer for Visions of Pythia and co-host of the Dirty Whoers podcast. Yes. Ah, yes, that's a familiar noise. So... Uh, Terry, can you tell me about the Visions of Pythia? What is that? Well, I think you might want to ask Sen about it as well, um, since it's his company. But it's a collaborative effort of um, different artists and creators at Second Life um, making uh, Doctor Who products. And um, 
Visions of Pythia mainly focuses on Avatar-related things. Right. And uh, that sort of thing. And uh, I design mostly clothing. Right. Yes, I know, because I've got some. (laughs) And next to you, next to Terry, is Ulon Sputnik. Sometimes known as Sputters, a long-time Doctor Who fan in Second Life, one of the founding members of the new Gallifrey, <clears throat> Hans of Omega, role-play group, and also the head of the Dirty Whoers podcast. I'm saying that with extreme care, you'll note. We are the only 18-rated Doctor Who podcast that I know of. And I am on <laughs> such good behaviour tonight, I promise, Safia. Thank you. Very Thank hard. you so much. Even good diction. Did you catch that? I did. <laughs> I did. Beautiful diction. You just like saying uh, diction. I do. I do. Diction. She said I have beautiful diction. I think that's great. Okay. Well, what I was going to say was, um, tell me a bit about the role play. Oh, um, well, the roleplay is basically split up into the houses of Gallifrey. We have uh, one sim, which is New Gallifrey. Um, You'll do well to find it, and there's very rarely people there. Um, Occasionally we nip down onto the surface of New Gallifrey, gather all the tumbleweed back into the centre, and then let it roll (laughs) off again. Um, Basically, we hold council meetings and stuff, and the roleplay really happens in individual uh, houses. So the members of the High Council go off and run roleplay in their individual chapters and stuff like that. And I think we have about about 100 active roleplayers at the moment. Uh, There's no formal system. It's all done through chat. Um, We provide basically a place where people can get together and be in character. We're not that stringent, um, but we do have a pantheon and a history which actually involves Second Life. Um, And it's been running now, I think the roleplay's been running for about four years, something like that. Uh, Yeah, about four years, and we've had the sim for about two years now. Right. I guess one of the advantages of the Doctor Who community is that roleplay can essentially be run anywhere on the grid that um, you have Um, time limits can get anywhere. Well, we have a database um, with the TARDIS system that Sen has, who you'll be speaking to next. Um, the database is split into three different groups, and one of those groups is roleplay, which is perfect, because anybody who goes to one of the roleplay sims, it's uh, very easy. It's an immersive sim, usually, and that could be anything from one of the dark freighter sims to Caledon or anywhere that's immersive and uh, lends itself really nicely to roleplay. So you can land, you can be in character. Terry and I are very lucky that we've been doing it as a double. We lost some audio here, about 30 seconds of audio. I apologize for that. It appeared at the time that maybe my setup was causing an echo and I was afraid that was being recorded. It appeared, um, in hindsight, it was not, but I made some adjustments, and uh, because of that, we lost some audio recording here, only about 30 seconds, so I do apologize for that. This is Sen from Hands of Omega being introduced now. Omega, yes, president of the new Gallifrey High Council, Holdley, um, and another co-host of the Dirty Whoers podcast. Indeed. 
Uh, Sputters here roped me into several illicit activities here in Second Life. The roleplay being one of them nearly five years ago. Um, uh, Ulan spoke very well to the roleplay and how it functions on the Second Life grid. Hands of Omega has been Doctor Who merchandise production company now for almost exactly five years. We celebrate our five-year anniversary on July 22nd of this summer. Wow. Um, and we are, as far as I'm aware, one of the oldest sci-fi companies in Second Life and the oldest Doctor Who company. And we've tried to make a real effort over the past five years to tie our merchandise into the role play so that the idea is Doctor Who fan can watch an episode of Doctor Who, come into Second Life having never been here before, learn a little bit about it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, pick up a time travel capsule from the hands of Omega, which can either exactly mirror something they've seen on screen for the past 44 years, or something original that's unique to Second Life. And with that, they can then get involved in the role play, which our goal is to provide a complete community. You can rent land in New Gallifrey. You can equip it with your Time Lord stuff, your TARDIS, your furniture, your everything. And then you can become involved in the role play. And I think a lot of the people you see around this table have, have really tried to make a complete center of activity for people in Second Life who are Doctor Who fans to get everything much so. with, yeah, within just a handful of sims and a handful of businesses, you can pretty much spend your life savings if you're not careful <laughs> and <laughs> equip yourself very well. So. Yeah, you've got all my money, see? He just doesn't We actually had a TARDIS at... Um, Second Life fifth birthday, we had the etheric traveling cabinet parked yep. outside. And do you remember? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember random guests. M. Linden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, M. Linden came to visit my TARDIS, which I did dine out on for a very short amount of time. And and Ulan's TARDIS is really the one of the founding objects of Hands of Omega, and in many ways, one of the founding objects of the Doctor Who community in Second Life. Uh, him and I designed and built that TARDIS together, and it was one of the first original Doctor Who builds in Second Life that was not a mirror of something that appeared in a CTV show. It was completely- That's four years ago, you know. It's four years ago. That's crazy, isn't five, it? Ulan. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it'll be five years this yeah, Christmas. it was a long time ago. Mm. Um, mm. Yep. Well, so I remember really, that. That was a lot of the community kind of sprang from that, so it was appropriate mm. that it was in the five-year Second Life celebration. I know that uh, we we'd had it as a read. We run a series in Print Perfect magazine, um, uh, an occasional series of. Well, it was a regular series at that point. Readers' homes and. <laughs> That was our reader's home for the month of um, the SL5B. Do you know what? I've got to say, Safia, that was like getting a BAFTA or something. It was great to actually have, <laughs> to actually have a, a Doctor Who TARDIS as a reader's home. was like, yes, get in. Brilliant. I love that. Well, it was good fun to do. 
and I remember taking a party of, uh, of Second Life kids came uh, to see our, our build and I took them up to see the TARDIS and it was just great. It was oh like, you know, they were going, wow, oh, that's so cool. That's terrific. <laughs> The nice thing about the TARDIS as well is they're so interactive that everything works and everything mm. does something. So when people do come along and pull a few levers and things, stuff's happening all over the place, mm. you know. Mainly and then you have to set it back. <laughs> okay, right. Let me turn to Dr. Bernard, who's the owner of Paradox Island in the Lewisonia region and editor of the well-known TARDIS newsroom which you can find online at uh, tardisnewsroom.blogspot.com. So, how do you get involved with these strange characters, Dr. Barnett? Oh, God, how did I get involved with this? <laughs> Good question. That's lucky, uh, yes. Yeah, am I involved? Uh, <laughs> Basically, I mean, I've been a lifelong Doctor Who fan, um, so obviously when Second Life came along and this lot started building TARDISes, uh, you know, I just had to do it. There's no question of it. Mm. And and so you've got, uh, you, you produce a newsroom, how does that work? Is that sort of that related sort of to thing? Second Life or does that relate to... Doctor Who in the wider world as well? Um, I've got a section on there that covers Second Life and whatever, but uh, on the whole, it's just Doctor Who stuff all over the place. You know, um, mm. I think most people here know that if they put something up on the web, I found it before they put it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> you know, I, it, I mean, all that stuff is because when I first got the web, obviously being a fan, um, I was searching, constantly searching for stuff so um, I decided you know I'm doing all this work why not share it with everybody so at that point I started up the TARDIS scanner which was just links to places and whatever um, and from there on it's just grown into this nightmare thing that now takes up 24 hours of my time oh gosh yes I can imagine in terms of time Right, and now if I move on to Louis Two Hartman, do I call you Louis or do I call you Two Hartman? Uh, you you can call me anything you like as long as you're not late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Louis, you're well known in the Doctor Who community. You're the co-host of Doctor Who Podshock which is one of the longest-running Doctor Who podcasts. So, again, is that a kind of general podcast, or does it relate particularly to Second Life? It's a general Doctor Who podcast. Uh, but let me first uh, thank you for having me on the panel, on this distinguished panel, that is, and it's a privilege to be here. Distinguished. Uh, it's lovely to have so you. so polite. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been called distinguished before. <laughs> well, there's a first one for everything. You've been called a papal. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm looking over my shoulder. 
<laughs> Just some background. We started the Gallifrey. Well, I founded the Gallifrey Embassy in 1985. In fact, last week we celebrated our 26th anniversary. And at that time, wow. we were meeting locally on in New York and uh, specifically uh, Long Island, New York, where we would have to travel by car or railroad or whatever to get to the meetings. And we would have those once a month and we would alternate it between the two counties here and uh, so that one county wouldn't be favored more than the other. So we were do- we've been doing that for several years. And when um, then fast forward to 2005, when the series, the new series, when the, you know, the current series was relaunched, mm. we uh, we came back with a podcast, Dr. Who Podshock. And uh, this summer will be our sixth anniversary doing the Dr. Who podcast, um, Dr. Who Podshock, that is. At that time, we weren't meeting anymore. We were, had the website sort of a, as an interactive place to come together and meet, and we were doing the podcast. as a, in, Instead of doing a printed newsletter, the podcast kind of took over that part where you didn't have to you know, actually print up newsletters and mail them out through the post, and the podcast was more efficient that way. And um, but we still weren't meeting, you know, that that interaction between people weren't, wasn't there because uh, now we were worldwide. We were no longer a local, you know, club. Now we were uh, we had uh, people that were um, everywhere, you know, so as I said, worldwide. So in 2006, on the anniversary of Doctor Who, we decided to do something special. And one of our listeners suggested Second Life. And I had been here before and I, I was familiar with it. So I said, yeah, well, we could do a a party or a gathering here and that was you know after that that kind of changed everything because um uh since then we've been meeting here regularly over especially over the last maybe three or four years now we've been doing it on a seasonal meetup here and with the help of victor and uh terry and 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 ulan and and all the others that do help us we do a a seasonal meetup here where everyone can, can get together no matter where they're located i must have offended terry there (laughs) <laughs> she just <laughs> vanished. So anyway, Second Life provided a platform for the best. for all of us to come together, no matter, you know, without any geographical divide between us to come together. Um, as I said, as long as you have a broadband connection and a relatively modern computer, you can come together and meet with us. And that's what people do. We have a party. It's not... It's not anything formal. It's very loose. Uh, we have Vic, who does a wonderful TARDIS tours that usually starts up the event, and then we come together for a dance party, and it's very social and um, and relaxed, and and it just encourages people to have fun. That sounds great. I think I've been to one of the parties now. Oh, I really should fantastic. come to more because I I like. Uh, if I may, Safia, many, many moons ago, um, if, it, if it weren't for Lewis and hosting these parties, Terry and I would never have met. Um, so you have me to blame. Five or what? <laughs> yeah, totally. About five years ago, I was listening to, uh, to Lewis's podcast, and he was talking about SL and a meeting that was coming up in SL. And I used to live on a boat back then, moved to a house, registered an account simply to come in. Character called Elon Sputnik, and in I came into SL, and it was at that podshot meeting that Terry and I met. We've been friends for five years. We've traveled the world to visit each other, etc., etc. I've met so many marvelous people because of it, and it's because of Lewis here and Doctor Who Podshock. Um, it's a bit of a backbone to the uh, to the Doctor Who community in SL, and has been for a very long time. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Right, and finally, right at the end, come to Victor, um, who is the co-owner and general layabout of the Doctor Who Expo in the Katrina region, which is the oldest Doctor Who region in Second Life. Cool. <laughs> He's here now. What is the Doctor Who expo? Um, until the closure of the original Land of Who. Anyone remember Land of Who? Um, when oh, Land of Who. Oh, that's going back. I've been there, yeah. That was uh, New Days. I was uh, Land of Who. That's where we had our first. Land of Who was the, yeah, yeah, Land of Who was the original. It was the first Doctor Who region and Second Life. And when it closed... The Katrina, which is the Doctor Who exposition, uh, became the oldest, and we, well, not we, I say, Ezzy McAlpine, who's here, nods to Tardis, who's probably sleeping right now, and Marine Dalek tomorrow are the three original owners, and they're still co-owners of it as well. They based it off of Cardiff, because at the time, uh, Cardiff Bay was heavily featured in Torchwood, mm. and it was also heavily featured in the Eccleston run of Doctor Who, and part of <laughs> and part of the early part of David Tennant's run. So we've kept the Cardiff theme. Um, mm. Basically, the exposition is a mix of role play, which goes, which goes on up in the station. It's got the museum, which is at the bayside, and it's got the big mall, which is at the far corner, and we all just run around and shoot people all day. It's a gravity well for geekdom. Hopefully, hopefully not too many of the customers. It's a great place where you've you've just watched a really bad episode. You know that there's going to be a lot of other people sat around who are going to sympathise with you. Oh yeah, that's that's something. That's something I want to come to. To what extent would you say that the community is about the role play? And to what extent would you say it's about kind of critiquing the TV programme, sharing the t- thoughts about the TV programme, discussions, mm-hmm. that sort of Two percent role play? Yeah. Uh, I'd go more than that. But I'd, I'd go more than two percent. Yeah, I would. Three. Oh, nice Three. Got, got a lot of role plays in it. <laughs> four? Do we hear four? Yeah. But you would You're say the, you would say that the vast majority is kind of the program and getting together discussing the program. Yeah, you know. No, I'm only shutting this up about it. I think. <laughs> what happens, I think, is that the role play occurs with smaller groups of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 then for for huge groups, you know, it's usually not role play. You're you're having a a ball talking about Doctor Who and uh, you know arguing is it canon mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> but the role play usually occurs with smaller groups and uh, and then there's a larger network uh, it, it, beyond those small groups of role players that are also you know they're all connecting with each other mm. within that the framework that's been I'm set gonna- up <laughs> I suppose there is quite a bit of role play because 80% of the time I'm in SL, I'm stood in my TARDIS with people who are involved in the role play and we easily slip into character and do the role play. But that's not an overall consuming, controlling role play. And you know that if you want to talk Doctor Who, you want to hang out and you want to have a laugh, you go to Katrina. 
because that's right. where that happens. And this Katrina yeah. stuff, don't get me wrong, happens in the station, and that's role play. Mm -hmm. But if you want to share opinion and actually, I mean, we run a podcast and stuff, um, the Dirty Horse podcast, and the the only time we get together and chat is for an hour every month or something like that to do that. Other than that, we go to mm -hmm. Katrina because you know there's going to be people there that are of a like mind, and that's what Second Life is. It's a social tool, really. It's like Facebook, only you actually get to have a voice and a presence and craft an avatar around yourself and all, and all that kind of stuff. And f personally, for me, I think that's got more value of going and talking about Doctor Who and going to the parties and hanging out with people who I've met through Second Life. And I've met so many cool people through Second Life. It's been a massive catalyst for other stuff that despite running all the role-playing things, I think that's the big thing that keeps me here. Because it is a social tool, and it's the social that keeps me here. You know, yeah. I think if, if you stand in the middle of any one of the Who Sims in Second Life, you know, if you're standing in the middle of 20 people, you're going to see a random selection of people in varying degrees of role-play. You have these people that come into Second Life with the idea that they're going to be in character, whatever that character is. Of course, oftentimes it's the doctor, but when they <laughs> first learn Second Life and they realize that there's literally a thousand other people with the same idea, <laughs> then they tend... A lot Ten oops. Yeah, right. A lot of them tend to, <laughs> to branch off and do other things, but the role play really... Very rarely is the role play strictly role play, and very rarely is the social side strictly social. It's Good really point. just this weird mm -hmm, amalgamation mm -hmm. of all of the above. I mean, and I think that's one thing that's unique to the Doctor Who community, Second Life, this strange mix of role play and social and business, and you can't separate the three. To the extent that even the hardcore role players, which I think Terry and Ulan and I are about as hardcore as the role players come yeah. in this community, we've actually been forced to integrate the social and business so side. Like. Yeah, really. <laughs> but we've actually integrated the social and business side into the plots of our role play because they're yeah. so integrated that you can't ignore them. I mean, yeah, like totally. That's yeah, true. my character in the role play actually builds Sardises because <laughs> that's what I spend all of my time here doing, so you really can't ignore it, you know. Yeah, and, and my character here is lost in SL space. Yeah. When the time war happened, this was the place that we were all forced to retreat to. And we stay here because we know that there was a time war on the other side and we're building a community here. We actually make a big deal about this being SL. We acknowledge the fact, right. we acknowledge the medium. You know, SL space. It's SL physics space. is different here and we acknowledge that. And we crashed here and of course we had to eat. So, uh, of course, uh, Sputters is a useless Time Lord, so I had to learn to make clothing and design clothing and sell it in order to... Uh, no, absolutely true. It's so woven into our pamphlet, yes, I guess. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we, we very much acknowledge what's going on. I find myself slipping into character in real life. You get that too? You get that too? <laughs> I used my screwdriver to open a Metro bus door one day. 
I saw a guy. I, I, I shit you not. I saw a guy who had put his um, oh, uh, what they call for the for the underground in London, uh, the cards. Oh, what are yeah, they called? Yeah. Safi, oyster. help me. He'd, oyster card. Oyster card. He put the chip of his oyster card into a Tom Baker sonic screwdriver, and he walked up to the barrier and went wee, and the goddamn barrier opened. It was the classiest goddamn thing I have ever seen in my life. We digress. Yeah, I I was going to say, there's, there's some lively discussion going on in the audience uh, as to whether you build or grow TARDISes. I think the consensus seems to have emerged oh, yeah. this. 50%, 50 yeah. 50 In role-play role terms, we'd have to say grow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, that brings... Actually, we just buy them from sin. Yeah. Yeah, but then they grow. <laughs> yes, that's a bad part. Yeah. You know, we have these chat groups, of course. We have the, the social sims, the businesses, the role play groups, and all of them have their Second Life groups, like, you know, mm. everything in Second Life. And it's so interesting. You'll see, you know, I'm in as many of the groups as I can be business connections, mm. role play connections, and I'll see a window pop up, and one will be a social group. Uh, one will be a product support group like, you know, Novatech, and the other one will be a role play group. And they'll all three be having the same discussions. They'll all be arguing about the same things, the same in different ways. Screaming. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. The, the lines aren't very well defined in our community. But I think that's because of the way we've, 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 possibly done the role play I mean we do after an episode it's quite difficult actually because you've got the time lag thing because we know the US is going to see it like a day later well legally quite a lot later but it's basically going to see it a day later um, so we have to be very careful but you, you really want it after an episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, you could do that part so well, Safia. <laughs> she says it perfectly. Oh, my God. You could do that so well. So, Tell Safia, are, are you, um, do you have an agent? <laughs> Want to be River Song? <laughs> I'd love to be River Song. River Song is great. Safir, I would love you to be River Song. Yeah. Oh, oh somebody's gotten started. I, I just want to be River Song's underwear, actually. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. Spoilers. Okay, um... Another point that was raised was um, the makeup, um, the country makeup of this. Uh, someone said that there seems to be a lot of Americans here as yeah, opposed to Brits. I, I think that the time in the UK may have something to do with this. That there's uh, <laughs> that um, Victor. Ulon and I are all up now at uh, half past two in the morning, so this may have discouraged a few of the, uh, yeah, of the but less it's keen Friday night. Doc Bernard's in the UK as well, that makes four. Four, sorry, four, sorry, That's all right. I think there's another point with Americans being content creators in Second Life. When I first joined over five years ago now, I came into Second Life and there was virtually nothing Doctor Who related. And as an American, I'd been part of this void of Doctor Who for my entire life. Oh, God, when yes. A, when I was a geeky 
pimply teenager, I went to the Visions conventions in Chicago every year and got together with 2,000 people who were even geekier than me, which is really something. Oh, my and God. <laughs> you might have met them. Wow. Really? I mean, the other, the other 300, <laughs> but seriously, the other 362 days of the year, there's nothing in the United States. Mm -hmm. At least there wasn't then. And so I think the Americans who hung around until 2005 and made it to Second Life were some of the really freaky, devoted, fanatical fans. And when you see companies like Hands of Omega, Wits, and Novatech, Shut the door. All, and Visions of Pythia, all of these companies being founded by Americans, it's just bullheaded U.S. citizens who would not stop being Doctor Who fans and were bound and determined to bring it into Second Life, you know. There are a certain amount of commitments as well. There's, there's like, there, never, there is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've never met a, 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 someone in Second Life, especially a U.S. person, who I've not got on with really well. And it's kind of pretty weird because we're all pretty pretty geeky but in second life you can just kind of acknowledge your geekdom and just get on with it mm -hmm. you know yeah. i mean well you can i mean obviously you are a diehard geek if you're in second life <laughs> <laughs> Five blood yeah. i mean i remember when i was remember when i was really young uh growing up in the States, and we didn't have BBC America back then. You had to wait for after the, se the series was finished for that year in the UK, and then six months later, PBS would start airing it. So oh. with the ex exception of the five doctors, we watched every episode a year later. So <clears throat> all the Americans fans that are moaning about having to wait a week because of Memorial Day to find I out know. who River Song was, I remember when you had to wait a year to find out what happened the previous series. Yeah. And so so we learned to be pretty rabid fans early on, I think. Like back in the How Tom Baker days, forget. even. Yeah. How soon we forget. Yeah, my mom, when I was 10, we would sit up and she would make popcorn every Saturday night. We would watch Tom Baker's oh. Doctor Who, and that was our uh, kind of bonding thing. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, I, I, there's something I want to do, and we'll do it now, which is I want to go around the table and ask everyone who their favorite doctor is. Oh, dear. Oh. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Shift to the waist, gentlemen. <clears throat> I think we have to distinguish. Put it on the table. Put it on the table. On. Hold on a Tell second. Are you the favorite or the f or or your your first doctor? Ah, uh, good point. There's a difference. Interesting. Big okay. difference. You didn't okay. go there. You really didn't, Savia. I sure did. <laughs> yeah, that's fatal, Savia. <laughs> I hope you're not going to ask, and why? Yes, okay, and why? Okay, so let's go around the table. We'll start with Tristan. First Doctor and favorite Doctor. Okay, first Doctor was Tom uh, uh, Baker. Not numbers, names, names, please. Well, that's what I was doing. Tom Baker was my first yes, Doctor. Yes. For the real people geeky, the, the fourth people Doctor. In the, people in the audience are typing numbers, and I think that's just confusing. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I, I will. For us. I, <laughs> I will appeal to both. For the really geeky, the fourth Doctor was my first, or Tom Baker, who's in at least in the America is people see him as the icon iconic Doctor because he played the role for so long. Uh, my favorite Doctor. I've never really honestly had one because I, for the most part, love all of the Doctors because they're still the same character. But I have to say that Matt Smith, Matt Smith is very rapidly getting up there to where he might get the award for favorite. 
Oh, contentious. Well, just because simply (laughs) as someone who, when he was a kid, there was no Doctor Who, he plays the classic Doctor relatively well, and I I respect that. he does. Yes, he does. He's a good bridge between, like, Troughton and... He, I think he channels Troughton's spirit sometimes, honestly. Yeah, 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 he's he's pretty awesome. Yes, I agree. But not just that, but he's just an amazing actor. Look at the audience. The audience is going mental. I just messed everyone up. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, loving this, Safia. Thank you. Or as Matt would say, Geekgasm. <laughs> Whogasm. Okay, so Terry, your turn. Oh, God. He basically said what I wanted to say. My first doctor was Tom Baker, and uh, Tom Baker is an amazing actor, and to have Tom Baker as your first doctor, it's a strong impression. Welcome to my world of editing. Yes. It's a strong impression of what uh, a proper doctor is. He he really took that role and went to the moon with it, as well as other places in time and space. Um, then, as for my favorite doctor, just like Tristan said, um, especially now, uh, for a long time it was Baker, but now as an as a adult, it's all the same character for me, and so it's hard to land on a specific uh, actor as being you know, my favorite, they all seem to be interpreting the same person. So, um, you know, obviously there's some actors who are better at it than others. And I will say Smith is pretty you done? awesome. You done? Troughton. You done? Pertwee. You done? McGann. <laughs> Paul you done? McGann. You done? See what you done? You, did here you done yet? You done? You done? You done? <laughs> Shut up. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> I, I even I even really liked Colin. I thought he was a very interesting doctor. It's not his fault very that half the scripts really Absolutely. sucked. Yeah, it's not no, his he fault. He was, he had, yeah. Okay. Yeah, gone. He's Thank you, Jimmy. You know? Let, let's go with totally. let's go with Sputnik. Uh, Pertwee and Pertwee. There you go. There is no finer. He was my doctor as a kid. He was my doctor. Yes, I'm very old. And he, uh, for me, at the height of the unit family, when you had Joe and the Brigadier, and yes, all right, I've got a massive man crush on Pertwee, but I don't care. Pertwee it is. Pertwee, <laughs> hey. Bro, man. Hey, dude. Okay, Pertwee so- was epic, yes. He was James um, Bond. Tom Baker was my first doctor. The first episode I ever watched was The Invisible Enemy, the introduction oh. to um, oh, But he is one. most not my favorite. Yes. Uh, with the exception of William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton, I've met the rest of the classic series doctors. And wow. on screen, in person, all of the above, it's all about the John Pertwee era and unit for me. Ulan mm. nailed it as far as I'm concerned. It's not that I think the BBC did a fantastic job of casting 11 amazing people in the role. I know the BBC mm. didn't cast Agreed. again, but they're all 11 just fantastic character actors, every single one of them. But if you go past the doctor and look at the rest of the cast, the Pertwee era had it going on for an ensemble cast. One of the best in television history, in my opinion. 
So Tom Baker was my first, but Pert is my favorite. Okay, so Doc. Ah, right. Well, it's yeah. It's, it, here comes the age bit. Um, my first doctor was Bill Hartnell. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you win, dude! Kudos, kudos, kudos. Yeah, no, I have, seen, win the I have, internet. I have yeah. seen every episode, including the missing wow. ones, live. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and and again, who do I love the best? Um, again, I, I'm the say I've met all the classic doctors. Um, in my lifetime uh, I think on a personal basis and I think the, the one that's done the most for fandom as a real person is Colin Baker ok I know he's not the most favourite doctor on screen but no, uh, as, but, 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 but for a character for his humour for his, his commitment to fandom for all these years He's still there and, and will be there until the day he dies, God forbid. You know, he, he, he's, he's absolutely an amazing character. He really is. Going on from that, I mean, on-screen doctors, again, I've got to agree with most people, I, I actually love them all. Um, I mean, I've grown up with them as a kid into adulthood. And I love the one that's on now, you know. I mean, they're all brilliant at what they do. It, it's just incredible how they've, they've continued the entire cultdom with them, you know. They've taken... I think all of them have got their own characters involved in it, but to take on the character like the Doctor is, is, is one of the hardest acting jobs going because it... it it, somehow you have to be able to, 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 to encapsulate the character through all of the regenerations. And I think all of them have done brilliant. And Matt Smith at the moment is, is incredible. Uh, he really is. He's, he's, done, he's done a hell of a lot for fandom, I think. And, um, and I've, got, I've got, to put, got to put a word in for the moth. He's brilliant. I mean, I know a lot Yay. of people are saying I, agree. I, yes. I don't yeah, understand and whatever. I'm sorry that he gets your mind thinking. If he can get your mind thinking around things, he's a proper science fiction writer. And the, the whole thing is so brilliantly done. It, it, it's, it's a credit to, to all of us. I want to mention something that uh, Dr. Bernard mentioned that I think is brilliant about Colin Baker. And if you really look at those of us who grew up with the show and understand the circumstances under which Colin left the show, mm -hmm. you would think that he would be the last person to so rabidly support Doctor Who now, considering Absolutely. that, I mean, let's be honest, they screwed the guy. Yeah, he got screwed right. in that deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was so apparently pissed off at the time that he turned them down on doing his own regeneration scene. So uh, for him now to still support the show the way he does, I think is brilliant for fandom. And uh, that really says a lot about the kind of guy that Colin must be as a person. Yeah, well said. I quite agree. Yeah, I'm just going to say something um, at this point. We have to finish here at 7 o'clock dead, but I get the feeling we probably could go on much longer. <laughs> Does anyone have an environment where we could sort of shift this afterwards? Because would people like to carry on? We all do. Afterwards? Yeah, Victor yeah. has a giant station. 
with a Take very a big rotor. Yeah. At least three of us at the table have Sims that could host all these people. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. no problem. Yeah. We could. I never really want a new Let's face it. So where do we where do we want to go afterwards? You go to the council chambers. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we could. You're, you're going to need to bring about. You're going to need yeah, okay. to bring about fifty people. You're going to have 50 people turning up. It's a largely so. empty Not a problem at New Gallifrey because no, there's empty. nobody there. Just yeah. us and the tumbleweeds. Tumbling along. Would, would someone like to therefore type a slur into chat? And what we'll do is we'll pack up here about five minutes to the hour and then we'll resume five minutes after. Tariq, as checking. Brilliant. Yeah. PA. Finding it. Thank you. Yeah, just cool. Time Lord PA. This is why you have assistance, isn't it? Okay. Can I come Rock on to I. Louis? Louis, can you answer the question? Absolutely. Well, being a U.S. citizen, my first doctor was probably many first doctors um, who are of my age is Tom Baker. If I was in the U.K., it probably would have been, well, I guess maybe Patrick Shouten or uh, John Pertry. So uh, Tom Baker is my first doctor, and my favorite is, and if you've known me for a while, you'll know what my answer is, whichever doctor I'm watching at the moment. <laughs> but well said. Ha having said yeah. that, uh, having met many of the, uh, you know, the original doctors, I think played a part in which ones I sort of prefer watching because uh, you, that kind of rubs off on you. And having met John Perry, Patrick Troughton, Colin Baker, especially having them in the room together, you're in for a time of your life. And it's, it's just so much fun back then, when obviously when they were still alive, that you, you know, I had that opportunity and, and many others. Um, I was at one of those Chicago Tardis conventions as well, Sen. so um, which um, it's just it, that I think rubs off Probably on you as well. Yeah, I was at Tardis 22. So I think that plays a part in it. And so I, I love um, I, I love Colin Baker. I love short, um, um, John Pertry and, um, and and Patrick Troughton as well. as You know, a lot of people are talking about Matt Smith and having met him last year. He has that that element, you know, when uh, that charisma that all the actors, you know, really have to have to play that role. And I, I think definitely Matt Smith has it. And it was plainly obvious why they chose Matt Smith when when I did, you know, briefly meet him last year. And that's that's um, that's it, really. That sounds fine to me. <laughs> and Victor, what about you? What would your call be? Um, first Doctor, even though for my age it should have been Celery Boy Dave, uh, Peter Davison, but the first Doctor was on old Betamax, thanks to my grandfather. The first Doctor I ever watched was Patrick Troughton. My favourite, until, until recently, my favourite was John Pertwee, but I've sort of shifted to Patrick Troughton just for the simple mm. aspect of if Patrick Troughton failed... The entire Good series point. would have been scrapped. The entire, not, mm. We wouldn't yeah. be here if Patrick Troughton failed. Yep. 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 He was brilliant. He, had he one was of the amazing. Jobs in television acting history, and he mm. did it. He did it brilliant. Yeah, I think when Pat took over, I mean, uh, before that, Bill Hartnell was brilliant, but he was he was more. I mean, speaking as a kid, he was he was a grandfather figure, mm. and then all of a sudden, in comes your your most favourite uncle. You know, and he was brilliant at it. I mean, he really was. And the kids, 
I mean, I can remember when the takeover took over, you know, with the regeneration, and you thought, good God, what's going on, you know, and everybody was up in arms, all us kids were in tears and whatever. And within minutes of watching that first episode with Pat Troughton, you know, Bill, um, you know, unfortunately he was forgotten, you know, it was, you know, Pat all the way. He, he, was, he, was, he just got the... You know the, the the cosmic hobo he's been he's been named over the years, and he really was, and he, he got the eccentricity that, that captured kids' minds at that time. And, and bless him, you know, I miss him terribly. He's absolutely brilliant, bloke. I, I it's funny, isn't it? We do this every time. Every time we're, we're so invested in a doctor, yeah. and then a new doctor comes along, or a new actor playing that doctor, and it only takes us half a season, and we go like, oh, yeah, great, and just crack on with it. Yeah. I, I was thinking, I mean, there was such a huge um, sort of publicity kerfuffle when David Tennant left as as the doctor, and Matt Smith took over. And Happy you would day. think that, you know, no one would um, would have been able to replace David Tennant from the fuss that was made. And yet people took on board Matt Smith incredibly fast. Yes, well, I, I have to say... Uh, it, it was like when Lady Diana died. What was all that about? Right. You know, it was, it was the same thing when Tennant died. Well, I, I have to say this, is oh. that uh, both my companion, Icy, and I, we loved Tennant. We watched every one of his episodes. I think he's a brilliant actor. We loved the the, the take he had on the Doctor. We thought we would miss really? him. But when Matt Smith first popped his head out of the TARDIS and asked for an apple, all of a sudden he just stepped into the role. He was the Doctor now, so we never missed Tennant. Because, like we'd said earlier, it's the same guy, just with a slightly different personality. So, um, yeah, that's we. You know, I, I've talked to fans that are new to Doctor Who, and all they knew was Tenet, and they're like, "I really, I really miss Tenet." And I'm like, "Well, you know what? I, I miss all ten of them too." But that's part of being a fan of the show. You grow to love the new <laughs> Doctor, and then after three to five, maybe seven seasons, they die. You're sad. You mourn, and then the new guy steps in, and it's the Doctor all over again. And so you grow to love, oh, grow to love the new doctor. Yeah. Dental surgery, then go through the ten years again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's 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 the what I see as the positive and negative of the tenant years is I think he did something no other actor had done in the fact that he humanized the doctor. Where I think the negative is, is in my, my opinion is he humanized him entirely too much. So. I'll give him props for the take he he, he gave the, uh, the the character, but I, I think he took it a little too far at times. I, I, I could have gone without him saying I'm sorry so much, really. Oh, <laughs> that was so yeah. not doctor for me. That really you upset know, me. The thing is, though, I think we need to be careful here because we're criticizing David Tennant for going 180 opposite from what we're criticizing Colin Baker from doing. And in both cases... You gotta pay attention to the writers because oh. they were the ones steering the direction of the show. The actors no. don't get me wrong, the <laughs> actors do bring in their own side, but bottom line at the end of the day they do what they're told. Mm -hmm. No, they don't. They become bigger than the character sometimes. I'm, sometimes I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on a diatribe here, but I felt towards the end of Tenant's time. That he had too much control in the same way that for a season Tom Baker did. 
and yep. um, I would rather staple my head to the carpet than allow him to carry on as... <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm going to shut you all up briefly because we're going to have to move now. The panel discussion continues in New Gallifrey, which we'll pick up in just a moment. I want to remind everyone that this episode of Talk To You Podshock is made possible in part by Podshock supporting subscribers. The only way we can bring you this episode and all our other episodes is through the support of our listeners. As always, we are tremendously grateful for the support that has been given to us, and unfortunately we can't continue on on the level that we're on now and continue to grow without the support of Pachak supporting subscribers. But you can help. You can become a Pachak supporting subscriber if you're not one already. Now more than ever, we need your support. Not only will you be supporting the show, but you will also be getting extra content as well in the form of Pachak extra episodes, and we should have one coming to you, a new one coming to you soon. Plus, we give other benefits and perks, and we're working out something that uh, I hope that will be enjoyable for all our listeners. If you're a supporter, you'll be have a, a chance to to get this special thing, which I really can't announce yet until it's all kind of confirmed. <laughs> so you can learn on how to become a supporting subscriber by simply going to podshock.net or arttrap.com and click on the top banner there towards the top of the page there in regards to becoming a supporter of Podshock. A big thank you to all our supporters. Once again, we can't do the show without you. It doesn't go unappreciated. Please, if you haven't done so yet, please consider becoming a supporting subscriber. As always, it does make a difference. And do you know what else makes a difference? Getting the complete story. And that brings us to our Audible pick for this episode. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction and fantasy, and well, a whole lot more as well. Audible titles play on iPhones, Kindles, Androids, well, over 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. The free audiobook is for you to keep, whether you decide to keep the service or not. To download your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. The pick that we're making today is one that might be seen as unusual. If you had heard me speak about this story before, at least the televised version of it, it's Doctor Who Ghostlight by Mark Platt and narrated by Ian Hogg, who was in the original TV episodic version of this. And by what I mean by getting the whole story is that I think the original story, which the televised version, I'm not a big fan of. I've, I found it very disjointed and um, confusing, though so there are some out there that really do like Ghostlight, the televised version. I think it suffers because I believe, if I recall correctly, it was originally a four-parter that was then had to uh, been cut down to a three-parter. It's a seventh Doctor story. Sylvester McCoy was the Doctor at the time, along with his companion Ace. 
Now, in this audiobook, it's six hours and 52 minutes, so it's nearly seven hours compared to, what, three 25-minute episodes? So this is the complete and unabridged novelization of Mark Platt's story. And in fact, it's written by Mark Platt. I really need to get this audiobook myself so I can listen to it and see, or hear, I should say, what Ghostlight was really about, because I don't think the televised version of it did it justice. Let's hear a little bit from the audiobook now. Hidden in the undergrowth was the head of a lion. A few feet away lay the rest of its stone body. Although the lion's features were weathered and blotched by lichen, they were still noble and regal. The girl almost laughed in shock and revulsion. There was a large, glossy-backed beetle resting on the statue's eye. She briefly thought of childishly penciling a pair of spectacles across the beast's stone face, but dismissed the idea as kids' book stuff. There was something unnerving about this place. It was too cool and too dark. The overgrown garden was too lush and too quiet. The beetle crawled off the lion's eye, over the forehead, and down the petrified mane into the damp leaves on the ground. The girl could see the crumbling edifice of an old house between the trees. The undergrowth went right up to the walls and climbed in through the black open eyes of the windows. She walked towards the building. Inside was an open area which must once have been an entrance hall. A shattered stained-glass window overlooked a half-collapsed mossy staircase. Passages led into the house. Doorways led to other rooms. Ivy wound in through the cracks and clambered up the inner walls. It was possible to see through a hole in the ceiling up several floors to a few spindly rafters and the sky beyond. Picking her way over scattered planks to the other side of the area, she looked through the missing upper floors. High above her she could see a broken dome. It looked like the interior of an observatory. The sky was turning a coppery colour. It pressed in through the rafters threatening a storm. It was hot inside the house, but the girl felt cold inside, as if something was watching. She could sense it just beyond the edge of her vision. It moved as she turned to face it. Something fluttered. An exotic butterfly with wings as big as fists glided past, catching the light in a flash of kingfisher blue. It had as much right to go about its business as anything else in this subtropical pocket of West London. She was the intruder. The butterfly vanished into the depths of the ruin. The girl, however, could still sense something else was there. Outside, she heard the distant roar of a DC-10 taking its place in the procession of jets into Heathrow. Inside, something slithered. 
something she couldn't see. Was it inside the walls? Or could it even be the walls themselves? She watched a group of tiny crimson mites moving on a door frame. But it wasn't easy to ignore the notion that the whole place was staring at her. She had become the object of its scrutiny. It was almost creaking as it leaned inwards to get a better view of her, almost as if it recognized the unwelcome infiltrator. Wow, what a descriptive passage there. Now, this could be your free audiobook selection. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. You can select from any of their titles that Audible has to offer for your free audiobook. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving, you couldn't get that URL down, don't worry. Just go to podshock.net and you'll see links to the offer there. And now we return back to the Doctor Who fandom panel on Second Life, part of the Second Life 8th birthday celebration. We had to relocate the panel to New Gallifrey because we couldn't stay in the auditorium that we were in because there was another panel coming in. But we had more to say, so the panel continues in New Gallifrey. I should also make a note that if you're not familiar with Second Life, if you've never logged on or got a free account there, when you do your forced to use a alias name, you know, one that's provided, they, they, they provide half of the name to you, you can come up with the other half, but uh, you can't just use your own name. So my Second Life name that I had to pick, you know, five, six years ago when I first joined Second Life was, well, it is Two Heartman. So if I'm referred to as Two Heartman, it's really me, it's Lewis. So, but it's, uh, the Second Life name is Two Heartman, Two as the um, it's it's not the numeral two, but T W O is the is my first name. And if you take it literally, if you read it literally, it's two heart man. Get it? Two heart man. Anyway, let's continue on, and you'll hear some background noise here because we're uh, in New Gallifrey, and um, until I eliminate that background, some of the background sound effects are still there in this audio, and we pick up in the middle. Uh, well, not in the middle, but we we pick up the discussion in progress here. Well, the assistants, by and large, were pretty, pretty and cool and played off the Doctor, who who wasn't good-looking but and cool in a very... to a sort of very defined definition of cool. Well, and you also had a point in the series where the companions stopped being damsels in, in distress that just screamed a lot, but they started having a lot of personality and, like you said, started carrying that role that they were the ones that were helping the Doctor and not just being there to be rescued from Daleks and Cybermen and things like that. Sorry, I was going to say, do you think that's related to the position of women changing as the decades of the series went on? Absolutely. Or is it something else? 
Absolutely. And I think in some ways, at least, you know, in British culture, when that's where most Doctor Who fandom was and where the show was most popular, I think that actually helped that movement along in a, in a lot of I ways. I agree. I think some of the... That a lot of the young girls looked at Joe Grant and Sarah Jane Smith and Leela and Romana and decided, oh, I can be more than just, you know, someone's trophy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who said that? Was that Ezzy? <laughs> oh, it was fake. Mm. Well, you've got to think of Bonnie Langford coming out in the... Never happened. Yeah, that... that Never that, happened. Um, that, was, that was like the season <laughs> of the American show Dallas, where the entire season was just a dream. <laughs> I, I think I, that's why I see the Bonnie Langford era, frankly. Didn't King Yukarnos drown her in a vat of carriages? <laughs> <laughs> I actually posted a picture on the Dirty Horse Facebook page, and it's the most liked picture I've ever posted uh, on our Facebook page, which was a picture of her drowning in the swimming pool at Par- uh, Paradise House. Most <laughs> ever. Why did, why did he save her? Why did they save her? <laughs> why? 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 Oh, God, why? I think she gets a hard time. She was very indicative of the time. Uh, yes, you know, that, yes. That era of McCoy, well. But, but Ace was a really good um, reprieve from the Bonnie Langford era. I can't believe how much, when, when you watch, when you chronologically watch Doctor Who, how much they switched um, from being the spoon-playing buffoon to the dark... Uh, with so much depth, Doctor, that now we take for granted. I, I, I can imagine. Amazing. Yeah, I can imagine there was a meeting somewhere where someone stood up and raised their hand and said, okay, what the hell are we doing? This is the Doctor. You know, I mean, we need to. And, and I think what they did, unfortunately, it was too late to keep the BBC from canceling the show. But the last season and a half that McCoy was the doctor, they really let him shine. And they gave him stories where you could see the depth of the character. And he is one of we're talking about the favorite doctor earlier. And I took the easy way out and said that, you know, I love all of them. McCoy really became one of my favorite doctors that last year and a half that he played the character because we saw the doctor return to that kind of darkness and that depth. Well, the whole spoon playing thing was played up because they were instructed to. After that hiatus, after Colin Baker, uh, that last series of Colin Baker and before it came back with Sylvester McCoy, was uh, Michael Grade was in office and said that, you know, you got to hype up the comedy and tone down the violence. And so they played up the, the slapstick and it became very comical. And that was, which, you know, which in McCoy's, it was a forced hand. Yeah, in McCoy's uh, favor, actually, being that he was a comedic actor primarily, Mm -hmm. he did that really well. But when they let him play the Doctor more darkly, Mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, he really, that's when he really shone. I agree. I agree with you. I uh, was at um, the BAFTA Awards, and um, uh, he he was there, the man that canceled Doctor Who. And of all things that evening, I remember how tempted I was to just walk up to the man and tell him what an evil cunt he was. And, and punch him in the nuts. I might have. I really might have, yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of one of those raping your childhood kind of moments when Doctor Who was cancelled. Yeah. And you know, that's something nice about the new series. I'm not a big fan 
of the ten years. I'm really not a big fan. Um, I, I think he, the doctors either side have been much better, but I've never felt that my childhood has been defiled in any way. And you can't say the same of George Lucas, let's face it. Exactly. And that's what that's what I really respect about Russell T. Davies is that and I'm going to say this about RTD right now is that I think that the work he's done on Torchwood would is brilliant. I think that's the kind of writing he excels at. I think that Moffat is a better writer for Doctor Who. But the thing that I respect about Russell T. Davies is he didn't reboot the series. He treated it as a continuation mm -hmm. of what we grew up with because he grew up with it, too. He was a fan as well. Uh, I don't like his writing as much as I like where Moffat's taken the show. But at the same time, he didn't spoil our childhoods because that was his childhood as well. So I do I do respect him for that much. I think I think what for me one of the interesting things was when they did bring the series back, they brought it back with such an incredibly strong actor as Christopher Eccleston. Oh, and that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I would love to have seen him for another season or two. It was just I mean he signed on for one year because they didn't think it was going to fly. They thought it was going to get canceled after a year. I think. And he got cold feet. Let's face it. He went, hang on, what the hell's going on? Oh, my God, this is really right. popular. Shit, no, bugger off. Yeah. I want to go to Hollywood and, and be right. this G.I. Joe. Well, I want to write. <laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to also play really edgy roles of the way I've been doing. Well, and he, he's a great actor. I thought he was brilliant in the uh, BBC movie they did about Lennon mm -hmm. recently. I thought he was great as John. Uh, I didn't yeah. see that, but I believe so, yeah. The girl that played Tosh and Torchwood played Yoko, and they were both great in it. They were excellent. Yes, I thought they were both brilliant in that film. Mm. And you know he, what? I never thought it was going to work. I, I, I just didn't buy it. And then within really? one episode, I, I got, yeah, because, like, you know, Doctor in a leather jacket, and he buy, buy, buy gum. You know, I am from the North, and I didn't get it. What the hell? No, the Doctor's supposed to have a fairly crisp and clear Midlands to Southern accent. I was the same way. I I had to watch I had to watch um, I think the next two episodes to really decide that I liked the resurgence of the series. I, um, I, I, of course, you know, talking about how brilliant an actor, and I think Eccleston is a brilliant TV actor in many edgy series. Nicely put, um, TV actor. Well, I was going to contrast that with Tennant, who's actually no mean stage actor. I was lucky enough to see his Hamlet uh, with Patrick Stewart as Claudius. I've yes, seen the um, I've seen the Night TV Rating. movie version of that mm -hmm. that they played on PBS last year. Yeah, and it was for me. It was, it was a geek's wet dream. I mean, Doctor Who and Jean Luc Picard doing Hamlet <laughs> yeah. together, and they were both yeah. brilliant in it. I, I was all over myself with that. Mm. Oh, it was great. Well, I got I, to say, on the, on the outside, I'm a big Shakespeare geek as well, and it was great. Yes, and, and the Hamlet is my Hamlet, favorite. And I played Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and Dead, and I know both really well, and it was beautifully done. It really I've was. never played uh, Shakespeare. I've done opera, but I've never played Shakespeare. But I love Shakespeare, and Hamlet is probably my favorite. Macbeth, maybe Hamlet and Macbeth kind of go side to side, but... Um, yeah, I've seen Patrick Stewart's both. Okay, yeah. someone someone came up with something 
that I was going to ask about anyway and came up with what I think is a brilliant choice. Um, who you think would make an interesting doctor and came up with Robert Carlyle, who, yes, yeah. I agree, would make a, a really Who's good... Robert Carl- Carlyle? He's... Have, did you ever see the series Cracker with yes. Robbie Coltrane? Yes. I know who he is. He played the skinhead, the one who actually killed Christopher Eccleston. Yes, he would be good. Uh, you know, honestly, I think... I've been talking with some friends about this recently. I think Hugh Laurie would make an interesting doctor, oh, to be honest. Yeah. No chance. Uh, I mean, I'd no awesome. chance he'd ever do it because, you know, American TV is paying, paying him a lot more to play house. And I'm sure that's a good gravy train for him. But I think he'd make an interesting yeah, doctor. Or even better, what about Hugh Laurie as the master? That would be interesting. Give him a goatee and let him run loose with it. Yeah. Craig Charles. I'd like to see see Hugh Laurie. I'd like to see Stephen Fry do the doctor. (laughs) Um, Bill Nye. I'd like to see Stephen Fry do the master. Stephen Fry would be a great master. You're absolutely right. I think he would be brilliant. Oh, what? Oh, you want drugs? A poly master? Good okay, he'd be a fat master. He'd be a fat master, but come on. <laughs> Fatmaster.co.uk. I'm going to go register it now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do fat masters now. Hey, here's John Goodman. Here's John Goodman. Here's John Goodman as the master. <laughs> is that is that Gemma laughing in the background? <laughs> no. Yes, that's that's Icy laughing in the background. She's right oh, okay. behind me. Sorry. <laughs> John Goodman as the master. Uh, there we go. Good call from Easy, guy who plays Sherlock at the moment. I got to say with that. Benedict good call Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, Benedict. Cumberbatch. Yeah. Cumberbatch would be good. I think as the doctor or the master. I mean, yeah. I think he could do either one. Uh, yeah, because the guy that they got to play Moriarty was dog. What was that about? He was yeah, a little too. Really what word Wait, am I looking that for? Mark Gaddis? Wasn't that Mark it's Gattis? Not, no, no, he played no, he played Sherlock's no. brother. He was just um. Oh right, okay, sorry. He was just a bit. I think the word's weak because he wasn't yep. camp and he wasn't. He, mm. he, I think the word's just weak. Uh, but anyway, while, digress. while we're talking about Gaddis, what about Mark Gaddis as a doctor? Hmm? No, yeah. I'm sorry. He's no, not quite. He's yeah. Just now, yeah. yeah. He's too, he's too out there. He's not strong enough. He's got to say right. Bill Nye. I'd like had a doctor. Well, he did play the doctor yeah. once. <laughs> Bill Nye is the doctor. <laughs> yeah. In fact, both Bill Nye. Either Bill Nye, Bill Nye, Bill Nye or Bill Nye science guy. Either would be good. This is. Uh, I noticed a lot of you are going for older characters. I mean, do you all feel yeah, that an older yeah. character would do the Doctor I'm better so rather than young doctors? Characters? Well, it, it, well it, we've it, had fairly young doctors I, I for so long. Hmm. I'm ready. For yeah, but it change. kind of feels like Pantheon now. It feels like every time he regenerates, so he gets younger. So I'm cool with it. Am, am I correct yeah. in the information I have that Bill Nye was actually one, one of the people they vetted before Eccleston was yeah. chosen? Uh, yeah. yeah, he actually turned it down. Yeah, Jeremy well, yeah, he went to do um, hitchhikers instead because his philosophy was: I can get five million for doing hitchhikers, or well, I can get know, five million money, for five years of doing Doctor Who. Exactly. Alan Cumming was also interviewed for that part as well. Oh right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, cool. 
I knew about Nai, but didn't know about, uh, yeah. I think John Sim was a great call as the master. What I like about Sim. What I like about Sim. What I like about Sim. I can't stand John Sim. What I like about Sim was not his role in the Last of the Time Lords and, and the Sound of Drums, mm. but I thought where he finally was good as the Master was in The End of Time, where he played him as an insane character and not just the stereotypical villain. If he'd mm. done that in his earlier portrayal of the Master, it would have gone a lot better. Um, I don't I don't know. I saw him as playing insane from the very beginning. Yeah. Insane and silly. I it just didn't do it for me, especially after you get to see Jacob Jacoby for like five minutes and I would have like, loved oh my God, to see awesome. I would have loved to see Sir Derek do the doctor uh, do oh. the doctor do the master for a whole season and oh, then Jesus. let him become or Sam. at least one I story in between. Jacoby would have been around longer. Yeah, I wish he did one story at least in between the revelation that he was the master and before he regenerated. Have like one story with him just right. as the master at the very minimum. Just that, just that one line where he does the reveal and he's holding the cable in his hand and he says, I am the master. That was so freaking chilling. That was more... Effective yeah. than anything that Sim did in the yeah. four episodes that he played as the master. So I would have seen, I would have liked to have seen more of Jacoby. I agree. Like maybe, maybe Sims, you know, maybe it just depends on the director and the and the writing and stuff. Maybe if they brought him back and they gave it a different treatment, he would be good. But the way they had him play it was just so goofy. Before, before moving on, before not masterish. Yeah. Before moving on to a new master, I would like to see Moffat write a story with Sim as the master just to see how he does. Yeah, I'd be interested. And then, and then make a determination. Just see how he does with a different writer, different director, different producer. I and don't see think he would. I, I think I, I think it, would, would just get rid of him. And, you know, I, I, I think at this anything point, since Eric Roberts has been shit. Oh, Eric Roberts. I mean, the guy can't act his way out of a wet paper sack to start with. Why did they pick him? McGann was a great doctor. Why did they pick Eric Roberts to be the arch villain? That was the major failing of that TV movie. Well, that and they ripped off half the script from a Tom Baker episode to start with. The, the problem, the problem with the TV movie, if you if you were one of the lucky ones to buy the director's cut DVD special of the, of the entire full-length TV movie. The bloke that was behind the whole deal, the actual producer, sat there in a 10-minute long interview and basically said he had to please Fox. Yeah. He had to please Fox's sponsors. He had to please yep. BBC America. He had to please BBC. He had to, ple he had to please the BBC yep. media <laughs> yeah. department. Yeah. Basically, yep. he had to please five different companies in one single you... movie. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised that that film came, yeah, out, that it came was... out as good as it did. Yeah. As good as it did. If yeah. you excuse yeah. the pun, he had Great. too many masters to please. Yep. Yeah. Oh, someone spank him for that pun. <laughs> but it's a good one. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And, and, an and, <laughs> and that is why. That is why I'm glad that stars got Corsewood and not Fox, because we've yeah. already given Doctor Who to Fox, and they effed it up. 
I think yeah. honestly. Americans just don't have the. Well, I sh I shouldn't generalize, but American Hollywood business isn't going to have the respect for the for the institution, right. Doctor Who, that it requires. Yeah, I've got to say though, T, it I wasn't that bad. No, we we dissed the TV hey, movie. Well, I some people dissed the TV I movie. But screw it, it kept Doctor Who alive yeah. for us for so long, and McGann was such a good choice. Yeah. I mean, McGann, Eric Roberts McGann did, did was a great couple of the others, doctor. you know. But yeah, McGann yeah. was a great doctor. And, you know, uh, Ulan, I think what we're saying about the Doctor Who TV movie is the same thing that a lot of us classic Who fans started saying about Russell T. Davies with the resurgence of Doctor Who, was that... It doesn't matter if you think it's as good or not. It's back on the air. Yeah. And the stories yeah. are pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's what and I was going to say. As bad as the show that I love, that was such an important part of my childhood and then my adulthood, is back on the air. And I'm happy for that. Do you know what it's kind of like? And I think this is a horrible thing to say, but it's kind of like minstrelization. The, you've got representation of black people, and it's horrible representation of black people. But God damn it, at least you've got representation there, and that's such right. a triumph. It, that was what the, that's a good the TV point. movie felt like. That know? is a good point. Yeah. That's exactly what the TV movie felt like. This isn't the Who I grew up with, but it's still Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, I so, was so grateful when that came out. You know, I had just completely given up on Doctor Who. Because I, I really wasn't in contact with the fandom that much, and I suddenly oh, me saw too. a commercial. I saw a commercial for Doctor Who the movie, and I was like, "Oh my lord! Oh my god!" Don't <laughs> you mean Time Lord? And yeah, and 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 you know, McGann played it so spot on. It, it was like from the very beginning, it was like, "Bam, he's the Doctor." And I was when like, you live it in San Francisco and stuff I, at the same time, though. I loved it. What? And I, and I, well, you I lived love in San Fran and things, and like, yeah, it, I, I, I love his audio. I was in San Francisco, yeah. so that was really enjoyable. <laughs> I was in Seattle when it came out, so it was almost the same. It was still West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone brought up the point that we need more female Time Lords. I was going to say, haven't we potentially yeah. got that coming along oh. with River? Yeah. 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 Oh, and and, and, and Safia will make you an honorary. They need to bring the Time Lords back. I really miss the, I miss yeah. the yeah. doctor having someone yeah. that is able to slap him on the on the back of the hand and say Bad Time Lord, bad Time Lord, back in your in box. Your box. Yes. <laughs> yes. I always enjoyed yeah. him better as a renegade than a power. than the last of his comments. Yes. Yeah, I thought less, yeah. I thought what Sen Sen brought up in one of our podcasts that perhaps potentially they might be going towards a real dark doctor who becomes almost like the Valyard. I thought it's an interesting premise and that at some point they might have to do something to, you know, break that, you know, because he's just getting darker and darker and less compassionate and less merciful. Hmm. Do you know, uh, seriously, though, we can go on all night discussing. Oh, yeah. I can. I can go on all so. night. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> God <laughs> loves Second yeah, Life I, for that because it has brought a lot of us together. I want to say like that. To sit around and talk shit. Yay. I just want to say that Ulan and Sen, anytime you guys want to come and talk Doctor Who on uh, Who Island, just IM me. Show up. Yeah. That would know. be really nice because I, I don't get yeah. into SL that much these days because life's too uh, being a contractor and work and things like that. And oh, yeah. Collapse. Same here. Yeah. 
Uh, gone are the days when SL was my living, alas. Uh, I spent my entire day-to-day at work going, oh, God, this is awesome. I get to talk Doctor Who all night when I get off work. <laughs> <laughs> and God love SL. I do love that thing where, where you just, you know, can go over and yeah. chat shit about the, the latest to, episode at Katrina. And I, and I have to thank I, Lewis for that because I, uh, that. I wouldn't have come into Second Life if it weren't for uh, Podshock. Um, and I hey. I don't know any Doctor Who fans in real life like around, that live in my neighborhood or anywhere near me. I don't know anybody. Same with All me. the Doctor I Who see. I've met are in, cool. from Second Life. Yeah. Icy and I actually have been lucky enough to hang out with the local fan community here in Austin. And uh, they're, they're actually pretty cool people. So they go and hang out at pubs and coffee houses and watch Doctor Who and drink beer. And, you know, they're fun and people the, to the, hang the, out the, with and chat with. The, yeah. the, truth be told, the truth be told, one of the reasons, in fact, the biggest reason why um, we brought Lewis on to... The, the panel thing, even though Podshock doesn't have their own SL base, is the way things are working right now for the Doctor Who community. The community was starting to stagnate in 2009, going into 2010. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the seasonal Podshock parties, right now, the way things are going right yeah. now, the only influx of new Doctor Who fans we're getting in SL is through the Doctor Who Podshock podcast parties. Nowhere else. Well, I'm glad that we're able to bring new people to the, you know, to the community and into the environment here. I have to say, like, before, like, during the 90s, I was running a, if, if any uh, long-time virtual reality um, people here that, that may have been involved with the palace. I was running a palace server, and it wasn't, uh, we did some Doctor Who rooms and all that, and some Doctor Who discussion, but it, this was a very much a next step forward where the palace was a virtual, t- it's a simulated 3D environment, it was 2D, but it's simulated 3D, and this was actually 3D, so this was really a, a nice stepping stone from that, um, you know, from the palace to Second Life, and I'm, I'm glad that we're able to bring people to the... I would be here more often too if there was just more hours in the day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Mate. I, I know you. Uh, yeah. Lol. But I, I, sometimes I wonder if you realize what you started. Yeah. Because yeah. it was such a catalyst. It's humbling. I, first and I appreciate it. I mean, I, just, I, I'm, you know, and I'm grateful be for it. There'd be, we well, would have our own podcast. There'd be, there'd be no Sim. There'd be no new Gallifrey. No, yeah. There'd be no. You know, well, I'm also grateful for Victor and, and both um, Olan and, and Terry and everyone for helping out and making a home for us here. Because, as Victor said, we don't have our own base here, but we consider uh, the, the, the Doctor Who Expo, um, you know, the Katrina as, as our home. You know, But we also go to Who Island. We have the Aftershock parties there. And many of the Doctor Who-oriented places here on Second Life are um, very welcoming, including... Um, 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 Lewis is um, doc- the, the doctor. Um, I'm sorry, it's, it's Lewis Sonia. Uh, well, Lewis Sonia, yes. Doctor Bernard. Doctor Bernard. Bernard. Yes. Thank Paradox you. Paradox Island. Yes. And and you know, Lewis, we 
we feel very honored to be able to host or co-host the parties with you and Victor because we know that there's a point where the UK audience is going to bed and the American audience still wants to stay up and party. So anything yeah. we can do to support fandom and share our love of this show with other people on Second Life, we're happy to do it. So well, it's much appreciated. Uh, let's just keep it rolling. Yeah. Well, I, just I just a just a note for that. I, I'm sorry I, if I could just uh, August. I think it's August 21st, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the third Saturday of the month, if I'm not sure. If I'm not mistaken, is our next Second Life meetup. Just for anyone that wants to join yep. in, that's our next one. We're on it. And the, the one of the nice things as well is everybody plugs that because you know we're all in the same boat. It's all about Second Life and it's all about Doctor Who. There's no. There's no underlying odd agenda or anything like that. Everybody just like twitters it, spreads it out there, and but but basically everybody's in the same boat, and we're all fans of the show, and we all appreciate, you know what's well. What's I, I know done to host these things. There right? are conventions and there's other places that are great that we all can come together in First Life to come, but it's just not practical for everyone or feasible for everyone. And I think Second Life provides, as I said, as long as you have a broadband connection and a fairly modern computer, nothing can that you have no barriers. You can come here and meet up with other people and um, right. people that can't get to Gallifrey or, or get to Swansea or get to any other uh, location exactly. where there's Doc Two events going on. Because it's, like I said, some it's they have financial barriers, geographical barriers. That they're just and there's no barriers here. So. I'm grateful that for Second Life and that we can do that on a seasonal basis. And and, and in fact, I want to mention to anyone who's anyone who's standing around right now who's not already a part or hasn't, you know, explored the Doctor Who community in Second Life. I, I don't want you to walk away from this event and search Who Island or Katrina or Paradox Island. I want you to search Doctor Who. Go to everything you see that's Doctor Who related, you'll find that all the Sims are wonderful, all the people are great, you're going to find that everyone out there who loves the show as much as you do is going to support you, and they're they're just going to tell you about how awesome the show is and how it changed their life. So we're not here, those of us who are on the panel, we're not here to promote ourselves, we're here to promote this iconic TV series that has, in some part, made us who we are now as adults. Well said, Couldn't agree more. Thank you. I think Second Life as well has been a catalyst for a lot of things. You know, it's been a catalyst for a lot of us to go further than Second Life and produce podcasts and run blogs and things like that and produce whole communities. Look at things like the museums that people have put together and, the, you know, like the communities like yourself have put together. Great. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Exactly. And I want to say something about the Doctor Who community. I've, I've hung out with some of the other sci-fi fan communities, and I found that we have a lot less fragmentation than some of the larger fan communities have been cursed with. And I don't know if that's just because we're smaller than, say, the Trek communities or BSG or whatever, but I've noticed that the majority of the Who fans get along, and we just want to revel in our love of the show. And we're not going to sit here and, 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 you know, 
we're not going to nitpick with each other. We just are here because we love the show, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And we're very honest yeah. and open yeah. about that. Oh, that that's, that's very true. Part of the whole premise of Doctor Who is 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 being able to fit into any sort of setting, story-wise. So I think that mm-hmm. that also gives you the concept of an open mind. Yeah. And being able to adapt to any situation, and yeah. and also the fact that our canon never agrees with itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. There's it's less to nitpick about. We have a time war, which scratches exactly. out a leather canon. It's great. Yes. You're, you're and now we we've escaped the time war by coming want. to Second Life. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you can, and you can see it in any way you want, and and have a different opinion about Doctor Who, and and you're open to listening to other people you know, say something completely opposite from what you think about Doctor Who, and it's cool, yes. you know? That's what's so fun about it. And yeah, so, honestly... that Bonnie Langford is my favorite companion, that would be okay. No, I have yes. to kill you. <laughs> but no. you know what? You would still be welcome. You would still, still be welcome. to face things you know, that. Hang on. Safia, Safia, we would we would go into private message and laugh about you in a group chat, but we, we wouldn't say it to your face. We would say welcome to Who Island or Paradox Island or New London or whichever of the Katrina or whoever the Who Sims were talking about. But we would laugh about you privately, I think. Oh, thank you. Welcome yeah. to Who Island. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Who Island. Just, you know, giving a good reason. <laughs> but seriously, I want anyone who's standing around who hasn't been exposed to Doctor Who very much in Second Life, just search Doctor Who and go to all the Sims and see how wonderful Doctor Who fans are here. Because honestly, I think they're the best people I've ever met in Second Life. And I'm not at all you know, biased because I am a Whovian myself. But really, just... Check it all out. Just explore. That's what I do every day. I've seen all of them, and they're all wonderful. It's oh, fine because we're 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 part of the Doctor Who genre. That we're not restricted to just who sims. I mean, I get exactly enjoyment yeah. Yeah. going round every other yeah. sim going. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I love doing that too. Yeah. I see, and I love hanging out for it. They do. They, they say, like, oh, my God, you got a TARDIS. Oh, my God, you go inside. And it's like a whole steampunk Victorian yes. world in there. Oh, my God, you've got, like, 3,000 prunes or something. Oh. In there that's just, like, totally related <laughs> to my Sims. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, you asked me to put a reser down here, and it's going to bring so many people to my community. Oh, I my see, God, you I do see and I, for, you know, brilliant. I see, and I love to go to this 1920s Chicago Sim, and I'm wearing a fedora and oh, overcoat, yeah, yeah. and she's in a flapper suit and we just go and we're just like a time lord and his companion exploring Chicago in the 1920s. I mean that's, that's the beauty about Second Life. I mean you can really explore any timeline that you want. Yeah. Past, but if present, you notice future. it actually works on a meta level. You can tell yeah. I, I literally I haven't changed clothes for like three years seriously but Terry <laughs> changes clothes all the time and we could turn up somewhere and she'll be wearing dungarees and it'll be a 1920s sim and people would just ignore the fact that she's yes. wearing dungarees and stuff as though it's a program and they're just like ignoring the fact and it's like they're speaking the same language and stuff you just role play 
off with them in chat, and they've yes, to this. Let's, like what you and Sin, what, what you and Sin, what you and Sin were saying about Doctor Who role play on your sim not being very stringent. You know, we encourage role play on Who Island, but I remember one day I was puttering around the TARDIS, and Icy chatted me. She goes, "There's a Federation away team exploring Who Island. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." And I came down there, and we were all like, "We were all like," and they looked at us and because they're used to kind of the trekker scene they were like can we do this and we're like yes we encourage it i mean we don't care if you're doctor who or trek or whatever if you want to role play here all are welcome and so we sat there and had the best time watching these trekkers with their tricorders scanning the weeping angels cave and you know (laughs) it was awesome we get that we get people coming here and just exploring that because if you've ever been outside at this point Something. I was like building, making a shoe, and I was down on the surface of New Gallifrey, and suddenly, yep. all these like this trek troop just <laughs> materialized. They transported down to the planet, right? <laughs> and they had their guns blazing, and they had this whole complicated role play that they did in the middle of Gallifrey. It was- their alien planet and it was so awesome and meanwhile I was like in private chat with someone and I was like with Victor I think it was I was like oh my god Star Trekkers are down here and they're having fun this is awesome it's so great have you ever been here when like just like a, tr- a group of, ca- of like Gallifreyans turn up and they turn up and go oh my god we've accidentally teleported you know we've accidentally you know after hanging out on this panel with you and Sin after hanging out on this panel with you and Sin I might have to apply to uh, do role play on this because this really this is a cool thing you guys have going on you know, no application retro- required in fact we're looking for a new head of house for House of really? Alien if you're interested in USA, USA would fit very well with House Argalian. <laughs> Do you think? Time. Okay. Oh, yeah. In oh, retrospect, yeah. in retrospect, Gallifrey for a steampunk comic. Yeah, perfect. Um, There's never oh, anybody yeah. here. This brilliant. That would just, be just perfect. Just nice. This was where um, the loss, the the quest for the Golden Prim exped- first expedition met a nice. mysterious and probably terrible end. That was probably my fault. I didn't set my I didn't set my anomalizer right, and I didn't mean to do it. it, it you know, oops, butterfingers, you know. Uh, well, but we we we've still got quite a way before they catch up. The the second expedition, yeah. which is looking for what happened to the first expedition, catches up. They've been distracted by an exploding volcano in. Stupid, I had a very and, uh, I had a very interesting experience. Now. I had a very interesting experience once where I accidentally landed my TARDIS on the command deck of a Federation vessel in the middle of a battle with Romulans, and me and two other Time Lords (laughs) stepped out, and... Yes, exactly. I actually typed in local chat, well, isn't this awkward? And we're politely (laughs) asked to leave. And I don't know why we're asked to leave, because they have Romulans. Time Lords is what they needed. Let's put them in a time loop and tell yeah. them to put a full spread against their nacelles. And they're, you know, yeah, exactly. And they're like, if you're not part of the role play, please leave. And I've just walked yeah. out and typed in local. Isn't this awkward? Do you know one of the coolest things we've ever done as part of the role play? This is like a few years ago. This is like 
two years ago. <laughs> yes, David has it. That's exactly you know, what it's going to be. Totally I was going to reconfigure like the deflector dish. Battle. Boom. They got like these four. Uh, how many Sims was it sent? There's quite a lot of Sims, wasn't there? And like whole communities was like Caledon we versus. Yeah, oh my god, it was massive. It was huge. Artificial Isle. Yeah, it was Caledon versus Artificial Isle versus another thing. It was massive. There must have been in total about 20, 25 sims at the time, and Caledon wasn't that big. And the whole crux of this thing, to stop it all happening, to stop all kicking off, was three Time Lords turned off, which was me, Sen, and Dalek Drillum back in the day. Oh, my God, that's all you need. (laughs) Now stop that. Now, Now just stop that. And they did. And it was like two months of role play or something. And we turned up right at the end in like this Deus Ex Bashima sort and of thing. And you, just like, you, now, now, now. Roland had coffee. He had a he did. I remember that. <laughs> he had like a mug of coffee. Right. He did. He read it. I'd given it him because we were waiting for like about an hour. And he rested it in his hand and he'd forgotten it was there. And when we turned up, he still had a cup of coffee in his hand. He's like sipping and, it. And no, so you gentlemen just... Safia, you were there, weren't you? You turned up for that one, I think, Safia. You you gentlemen basically just... Three I months did. of roleplay like that. that. Was yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, but everyone was on comms and stuff. There was all like this communication system. And it was, and yeah. Yeah, there was this communication system, and we were testing out the communication system. It was like squadron such and such and squadron thingy and squadron doodar <laughs> and, and, you know, battle tank thingy and then... Time Lord yeah, the, Sputnik. The, the Time Game Lord Masters had, had all arranged it far, <sighs> far ahead of time. So yeah, and actually, it was nothing to do with us. We were just told to turn up as the Time Lords. Yeah. But that was, was like, like so cool that there's that reverence there, you know? Weird. There was like the, the <laughs> leaders of three or four different major Second Life nations, and one of them was going to be executed, and we just landed the TARDIS right next to him and stepped out and went, No, now, now. You need to stop this. Now. That was it. Everyone stopped. Now step you away. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> and you're all the like, come inside. Coffee and his coffee is empty, though. Yeah, it's coming inside. Have some <laughs> but that, 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 to be honest, I think that was a catalyst for starting to do the stuff here because it so made me what, go, well, what, wow. What's all this execution huh? about? Let's go have some tea. <laughs> you know? I think it yeah, was the big sort of threat sense. of, now, do you really want us to wipe out your grandparents to stop this happening? Right, do right. You? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> the oncoming, the oncoming storm. That's something we we don't, I mean, we don't play it very often, and when we do, it's a really powerful thing in the role play. Um, and there's a bit of sort of fraction. For that time. Well, there's a bit of fraction between a couple of the clans, a couple of the I houses. Did, I did have once. Brr. I did have once I had a Bloodlines person try to pull the vampire card, and I said, do you realize that my people fought your people half a billion years ago, and guess who won? <laughs> yes. Is Victor still here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have actually, in roleplay, snapped my cane over my knee and gone for Victor with two ca- with two pieces of my cane in order to do both his hearts at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was very cheeky. It is a very big station, though. <laughs> but yes, it was a total Matt Smith moment because I just basically had to say, yes, we won. Now, this is your turn to run. Have you seen his rotor? <laughs> it's 
Thanks he has the big rotor. It's six, six, it's big six, 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 what? Six, six. Eight. 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 It's eight now. Eight. Oh, wow. wait. That's overcompensation. In real life, I drive a smart car. Eight right. time rotors. Eight time rotors, and each half is each half is one hundred and seventy-five prims. So oh, so Safi, are you glad you got this rabble all together? <laughs> Great, yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you, Safia. I am. I think it was really good. I, oh. I'll say that we're actually planning on doing um, discussions and things and, and meetings and things at the Prim Perfect headquarters in Costa Rica. I'm not sure we could have quite the crowd we had in the main auditorium when we had two sims, but I think it'd be really good to have you guys over, um, you know, and have a discussion session over. Um, what, you, nice. what you could, what you could, do, I would be honoured. What, what you could do, Saf, is instead of having an all-encompassing chat like we had here, split it into two distinct talks: one for the role-play side, one for the business and community side. That way, it'll keep the crowds down a bit, maybe, but I doubt it. Well, we could also incorporate this in our second life meetups as well. You know, where it could be a, an ongoing thing. Good idea. Yeah, sure. Very I'd nice. be very happy very if nice. you wanted me to come along to that. Oh, absolutely. Me yeah. and my boots. Yeah. That's actually <laughs> an idea. Don't forget those the... boots. We would, we would love to see you at Podshock and Aftershock, I think. Does everyone, well, everyone agree? Yeah, definitely. We can yeah, record them and um, yeah. put them out there on the podcast. Because instead, <laughs> instead of having the tour, which lasts for about two hours, we could have a discussion panel instead. It'll break the monotony a bit because the, the tours are getting a bit old now. I'm basically running out of places to go. <laughs> and I'm on behalf... So into the discussion. I love that. On behalf of the uh, High Council on Who Island, uh, Icy has, if you'll find Icy Thursdays somewhere around here, she has in her lap something you can click on to have a special gift from us that we want to bestow to everyone who bothered to show up tonight. Oh, so we've got a little freebie that we're going to pass out. Yeah, Icy likes people clicking her lap. I can't help it. It's <laughs> companion. Well, listen, seriously, it's you always know. nice to meet people as well outside. Tristan, yes. Icy, uh, you, you know, uh, Victor, um, anybody else who's here, if you fancy getting involved in any of the Dirty Whore stuff, give us a shout. Tristan, it'd be lovely to have you along for a I would love for, to be a guest a on Dirty Whores. That would be great. We're, we're doing the thing at the moment, which is um, we're, we're doing the Liz Sladen uh, tribute episode. Oh. asking everybody to come up with just anybody. a minute worth of stuff. Love, love um, Liz Sladen. Just my, first doc, my first Doctor Who episode was Revenge of the Cybermen. So love Liz, Liz Sladen. Yes. But yeah, Safia, if you, Safia, the, the next, the next the pod next. shock big party thing. When is it, Louis? August I believe it's August 21st. August 21st. I'm not looking at the calendar, but I, if that's the third Saturday of the month, that's, I think, when it's scheduled. Yeah, I think it's the it's 21st. The third Saturday of August. That's, right, that's so the, there is because... one in July, but there is one in August. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's August, August, November, February, May. It's, it's, it's every three months. Victor sending me a link. Should be fine. A link? And reminding a link? me. Oh, right. Okay, doke. Well, do. I'll put that on a note card thing because I don't have a personal assistant like Sputnik has. <laughs> really, really glad we did this one. This has been a, an absolute blast. 
Safia, it was a pleasure. It was very nice to meet you, and I'm, I'm pleased that you allowed me to be part of your panel tonight. Well, thank that, you. I echo it that. It was my pleasure. I'm so glad you were able to make it. It's been thank you really great fun to do this. Do it again sometime. Absolutely. We will. Podshot. Well, yeah, we're hoping for August to do it in August. Looking yeah. forward to it. And that was our panel. Our the panel on Doctor Who fandom in Second Life for the Second Life eighth anniversary festivities it's slb8 i think they were calling it or sl8b i think it was either way it was an honor and a privilege to be part of the panel and as you heard we will continue the panel will we be continuing you know it may not be this exact makeup of the panel it might be different individuals on it but we'll continue the panel discussions at our dr upachak meetups on second life and the next one is scheduled for august it's august 20th which is a saturday and that's the next scheduled event we'll have more information on our website soon about that also you may have heard that the dirty hooies are doing a tribute to elizabeth sladen and you may have heard that we are planning on doing one as well and colin who was a doctor who Pachak contributor i mean he still is it's just that he hasn't really done anything lately because he's been busy but you may know him as abisak on our site we've been kind of working out some details on what the elizabeth sladen tribute show should be or or I should say Elizabeth Slade and Sarah Jean Adventures celebration episode of Doctor Who Podchuck. So we'll have information on that on our website soon as well. So we'll I know a couple of our listeners have already sent in some feedback with a tribute to Elizabeth Sladen. So if you'd like to send in your feedback, you can. We're going to uh, have something a little bit more formalized on our website explaining what the tribute show will be about and um the tone of it and we're hoping to get a few it's it might be similar to what you've seen here well heard here as far as a panel goes talking about elizabeth sladen and sarah jane adventures and what it was and what her character and what the show meant to us well that's going to wrap things up for this edition of dr upachak there is a new Sonic News Driver episode that was out that came out on friday there'll be new episodes coming out soon just a note about the Sonic News Driver podcast companion app. Right now, that's having a little issue where, well, a big issue where none of the episodes are appearing in the app, and we're working on getting that resolved. And um, it's just taking a little longer than we had hoped. So uh, that should be cleared up soon. And as mentioned earlier, we should be getting out an extra episode out to Podshock supporting subscribers soon. So hold on tight for that. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening to Doctor Who Podshock. As always, you can find more information about the podcast and Doctor Who and Torchwood and, and everything else related on our website, podshock.net or gallifreyandembassy.org. And speaking of Torchwood, we're in the middle of a new series now, Torchwood Miracle Day, as you know. I've seen the first episode, and we hope to do a live review show of that. It's probably not going to be Doctor Who Podshock. It'll probably be Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, another production of Art Trap Productions. So we'll have more information on that when it's firmed up on our website. Until then, cheers, everyone. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run Gallifreyandembassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. 
Doctor Who Pachuk theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. 